Well, good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. We are on the edge of a brand new year, and we are excited and anxious and unaware of what lies ahead for us as we wait through this year. And some of us uh, are looking forward to continuing the things that God has been doing in and through you uh, into the new year, and, but we're just ultimately waiting to see how things are going to unfold through this year ahead. And waiting is hard. Because, as you know, we live in this culture where everything is just so fast for us. And we've talked about this for so many years, right? The fast food culture and everything just being so quick at us. And, and, and we live in a reality where God has made our bodies and our minds such that we respond really, really well to these fast dopamine hits, you know, just dopamine hit to dopamine hit to dopamine hit. And this is our reality that we find ourselves in. It is not exactly something we can just escape from for the most part. And so we have to learn how to live in this reality. We have to learn how to wait better. We have to learn how to be more patient with things. And we have to learn how to think outside of ourselves to things that are bigger than our experience and waiting for the things that God really wants for us. And it's hard because we don't really want to wait for anything in our lives. And Pastor Tom just took us through a Christmas series where he looked at the birth of Jesus and looked at all the people in that, in that story and how they had different challenges that they had to wait through, right? And today we're going to look at two more people. We're going to finish that series off with two people at the very end who get a small mention in the story who were also waiting. However, the thing that they were waiting for was much larger than themselves. And as we're working through this passage together, we're going to see that our perspective has to change in order for our faith to increase. And as we do, as we realize that, as our faith increases and as our perspective changes, then that's actually going to change how you're going to live out your year ahead. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. And as you're doing that, on your devices or in the Bible in front of you there, uh, I was trying to think of a time of waiting in my life that kind of captured some of this. And there's been so many times, of course, of waiting. But one particular time that I could remember that really had a perspective change for me was the year I, I graduated, the year after I graduated high school, I came to Edmonton, moved from Crescent to Edmonton. And it was my challenge for that first year of school or first semester of school to introduce myself to two new people every day which was really easy in university. You sit in a new place, in a new class, right? You sit down, there's a person on your right, person on your left. So it was really easy to meet a lot of people. And so for that first year of school, not knowing anybody up here, I was meeting a ton of people. I was coming to the church here. I started getting involved with the young adults group here and meeting lots of people through there. And it was fantastic. I was meeting tons of people. But there was one girl in particular in the young, adult, young adults group here that really caught my heart. She was beautiful, she was hilarious, she was deeply empathetic, and she loved Jesus just as much as I did. And so I was really attracted to her, and we would hang out as young adults, we'd hang out a lot, and months later, there was this moment where I realized that she likes me back. And so I realized, okay, i got to ask this girl out. This is, she's incredible. So I planned this whole like elaborate way to ask her out and I, I made like a scavenger hunt with riddles and like little poems and stuff and, and uh, I was trying to be all romantic and so I planned it out with my mom and my sister. They helped me like write all the riddles and stuff. Come the day, I invite her over, I lead her through the scavenger hunt. It's, it's, you know, great. We get to the end, I take her by the hand and I look her in the eyes and I say, 
you know, I don't know if you're the girl that God has for my life, or even if you want to be, but I would be so honored to be able to explore that with you as my girlfriend, or if I could be your boyfriend. And um, she looked at me, and she said no. (laughs) And it was brutal. Like, I was shocked because, one, it's hard to be rejected, but two, like, I was sure she liked me, and I really liked her, and it just was kind of confusing. But as it turned out, she had started reading this book, and which is forever known, now known as that book. Um, but she started reading this book, and the book started off by saying, uh, if you're finding yourself in like bad relationships or other kind of situations, you want to like be somebody who's going to um, get into a good relationship, start by taking six months of your life and don't date anybody. But give that time to the Lord to help him shape you to, be kind of, to become the kind of woman that will attract the right kind of guy, a guy who's honoring to the Lord. And so one of the things I was attracted to in this girl was that she loved Jesus so much. And here she was putting her relationship with Jesus above her romantic interests, which just made me like her even more. I couldn't even be upset because she was doing this. And she had just started reading this book, and she was just starting this six months. And so I had to decide, am I going to wait around for six months to see what happens with this? And I know, like as an adult, I get it, like six months is nothing, right? It goes by super fast. Uh, Anybody can do anything for six months. But as a young adult, you got to remember, as a young adult coming into a new place and everything was changing so fast, I was meeting so many new people, like six months felt like a long time. I would be finished school probably by then, and and who knows where I was even going to be in the summer, and and so on. So I was thinking and wrestling with this, and I was trying to decide, is this God telling me no, and I need to let this go, and maybe God's got other things for me? Is it something I should just kind of pine over this girl and wait for her and, and you know, just sort of, you know, give everything to that? You know, who knows what God was, had planned for me? I was trying to think of, like, how I would even, like, counsel a friend through that. Would I tell a friend if they got told no by a girl? Would I say, oh, just, just wait around and give your whole life to that. Just wait and, you know, forget about other relationships. Or would I tell them, you know, well, just move on and see what God has in store for you? I was very confused. So I called my mom, and I told her what had happened. And uh, she gave me five words or so that just gave me a perspective change, like instantly. I was telling her what happened, and she just looked or said to me over the phone, is she worth waiting for? And I was like, oh, yeah, mom. Like, you don't understand. This woman is incredible. She's perfect for me. She's so funny. She's so smart. Uh, she loves Jesus so much. She's beautiful. And my mom goes, well, and as moms do, gave me a uh, great shift in perspective because what happened was I, in that moment, really understood the value and the beauty of what I would be waiting for. And that really gave me the focus and the faith and the resolve to wait through that situation. And that's exactly what our passage is going to talk about today. Um, So we're going to dive into Luke chapter 2. As for the rest of the story, though, I I did wait the six months, and at the end of the six months, I got all ready to ask her out again, and she said no again. But but I was persistent, and she eventually said yes, and now we're married, and it's awesome. So, um, but let's read Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22. It says, When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 
as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be, call, shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit to the temple, and when their parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, and she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and, when, and then was as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So Joseph and Mary, they were bringing Jesus to the temple for his circumcision and for some other purification uh, for Mary and Joseph according to the law of Moses. And they get there, and there's this man named Simeon, this older man, and uh, he's there at the temple. It says he was a faithful and a righteous man, but he's not a priest. He's not a Pharisee. He doesn't work at the temple. He's just there. He's there worshiping the Lord because the Spirit has also prompted him to be there. The Spirit revealed to Simeon that he would not die before he got to see the Christ, the Messiah, the salvation of Israel. So that's a big uh, thing that God has laid on his heart. And so when he lays eyes on Jesus, this little baby, the Spirit probably prompts him and he realizes this is the Christ. And he says this thing to Mary. He says, let's read again. He says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And that's incredible because we see that he's been waiting for this moment, and he couldn't see death before that happens, but now he's at peace. He really knows and understands who this really is and the magnitude of that. Well, he doesn't fully understand the magnitude, but he has a pretty good idea. Because what he says here is actually extremely significant. Two reasons. One, he identifies Jesus as the Christ, as the salvation of Israel. And this revelation that this is the one that, that us as Israel have been waiting for is a big, big deal. It says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, right? He's waiting for Israel to get back what they deserved, right? Because they're under that Roman rule and, and they used to have glory and, and now they're, you know, they, they need that sort of restoration again. And so this is a big thing. I mean, there are Jewish people today who are still waiting for God's Messiah. So for him to announce that, imagine to his peers in the day, that's a, that's a big thing. And second thing that's reason this is important is because he also references a salvation coming to the Gentiles. You see, Gentiles are anybody who's not Jewish, 
And this foreshadowing of God saving the Gentiles is, again, another big deal because the Gentiles were seen as unclean and separate from the Jews. So for him to say what he says here, he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. For him to say that, was this, this was foreshadowing the magnitude of what Christ was actually coming to accomplish. That salvation would be for all people, for everybody. And this is what like the Jews were expecting, but way ahead of what they were expecting, right? They were, they were expecting this since like the fall of humanity, since Genesis chapter 3, right? For all humanity to be restored. So this is huge. And beyond just simply restoring Israel to some former glory state, you know, back to, to what they used to be, you know, the good old days. But this was instead going to fix the greatest problem that humans have ever faced, and at the same meeting that we see here, we see this woman. Her name's Anna. And she's a priestess, it says, probably married when she was young. She was married for seven years, and then she was widowed. And now she's at the age of 84. And it says that she was at the temple night and day. She was there all the time, faithfully praying and worshiping and fasting. And it says that she was also there at, when Jesus came. And that she bro- began to proclaim the news of Christ to the Jews to the same Jews who had also been faithfully waiting for the consolation of Israel. So through Simeon, uh, sorry, although Simeon and Anna were just uh, two regular Jewish people who were just being faithful to the Lord, God gave them this incredibly important role. They were forerunners to Christ. And that's not a small thing. It says that John the Baptist was a forerunner for Christ. In Matthew 11.11, it says that John the Baptist, because of that role, was the greatest man who ever lived before Christ. So the role of forerunner is not small. And so for Anna and Simeon to have a smaller uh, yet similar role, they were waiting for God to fulfill his promise. And it took a long time. And that's a big deal took from the fall of humanity to this point. And then for those two individuals, maybe much of their lives they've been waiting for God to fulfill this promise. And some, you know, I mean, that was just them. The people before them and the generation before never got to see the fulfillment of the promise. And the generation before that and the generation before that, they were waiting for this big thing to happen. And in their lifetime, they never got that, that final revelation, the thing that they were actually waiting for. And that would be hard. It'd be hard to wait. I mean, I get frustrated when a web page doesn't load properly or like a video has to buffer. Like, it's hard to wait. Think about the things that God has you waiting for right now in your life. Consider the challenges, the hardships that you've been enduring. Consider the circumstances that God is maybe holding you through right now. Think about the hopes and the dreams that you have for your life. Or maybe for your loved ones. We are waiting. We're waiting to see how all of this is going to unfold. How God will reveal himself through our circumstances. And most of us feel like the things that we're going through, you know, compared to the history-altering coming of the Messiah, might feel like these things are maybe less significant or a little smaller. These are just my problems and God probably doesn't care about these things. But here's the thing. God cares about all of those things. All those things you're waiting for, the pain you're struggling through, the hopes and dreams you have for your life, God cares about those things. 
And because we want instant results, the waiting is hard. So what do we learn in this passage about getting better at waiting? Well, in the story of these two individuals, we see that as they're waiting, they are vigilantly faithful in their waiting. Their faithfulness is noted by their devotion to just being, being present and involved in what God is already doing around them. Right? They're showing up to the temple and they're worshiping God. They're living righteously. They're living in a way that honors God. They're striving to make choices that honor God. It's not perfect, of course, but it says that they live righteously. It says they were seeking God. They were listening to him in prayer. Right? The Holy Spirit came to Simeon and gave him a word. And he was listening to that and faithfully showing up to the temple. When he sees Jesus, I was thinking like, You know, how many times does the Spirit say something to us and we don't actually take action on what we feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit is? Imagine if he was at the temple and there's Jesus and he's like, okay, I think the Spirit's telling me to like, this is the the one, but I'd be a little embarrassed to actually say something and put myself out there like that. Right? We can't live like that. We have to live responding and listening to the Holy Spirit in our life. Being faithful to that, worshiping God, uh, honoring him with our hearts and lives. We see them, that they were waiting faithfully. And they were trusting in the bigger picture that God was going to fulfill these promises, even if they didn't understand how. And they probably didn't even expect it to happen in their lifetime, except for Simeon. You know, most people didn't expect to see the Christ, because the generations before and before and before it had not. So Simeon being the, the exception to that, they were waiting for this thing that was bigger than themselves. They waited patiently, trusting that God's promises would come to fruition. And when we wait faithfully, it increases our faith. And we're devoted in, and open to understanding more of who God actually is. And as we understand God more, as we read his word, as we spend time together as a body of Christ, you know, diving into God's word together and chewing through it and, and praying for one another, as we pray to the Lord, all of those things, we understand God more and our perspective begins to change. The way we view the world changes to align with his perspective. Our understanding, our hearts align with his heart. And then we have focus and intention and hope for God's promises. And that will change how we behave, how we act, how we, you know, the decisions that we make for the year ahead. And we have to remember, though, That it's so easy to get caught up and frustrated with the things that you're waiting for. Because we want instant gratification in our life. And because some of those things are really, really hard. Like if you've got chronic pain or or a situation that's really difficult or a relationship that's strained. And you don't know if those things are ever going to go away. It's hard to wait through those things. It's painful. But Simeon and Anna were waiting for something much larger than themselves. And they had God's perspective. They were waiting for Christ to come. But remember, we are also waiting for Christ to come. Right? Christ is still coming back. And that is something we are actively waiting for. That's bigger than than ourselves. And generations will pass and not see Jesus make his big return. And it's an idea that we just sort of like take and we put it on this mental shelf in our life. And we're like, oh yeah, that's a thing. And we forget about it, but we have to remember that, that Christ is coming back. Because when we remember that and we wait faithfully about that, then that changes how we act. It means that we have to get this message out. We re- realize that in light of that reality, we have to live faithfully. That we have to live righteously. That we have to worship this God that we proclaim to believe in. 
And there's a whole entire hurting world out there. People's lives are at stake. When Paul shares the gospel and he says that it was rejected, he says, well, at least there's no blood on my hands. The implication being there the opposite. That if we're not sharing the gospel with St. Albert and with the world, then there might be some blood on our hands if we're not taking action on that. If we're not being faithful, if we're not faithfully waiting on these things. People are hurting around us. They've got brokenness and questions. And they throw them into Google and Google just doesn't cut it. They know there's something more. And those of us who are forgiven in Christ, those of us who really know and understand the gospel and are living in light of that, just like Anna, we have to be like Anna and proclaim that hope to the world. When we remember the bigger picture, it moves us to be active in living out our faith. And if we're faithfully waiting on the bigger picture in Scripture, it changes how we live on our day-to-day lives. And God doesn't just magically make all of our troubles go away. He doesn't remove us from our situations but rather he gives us strength and he gives us patience and understanding to endure and wait through those things, to move forward in the midst of those things. He brings deep joy and he brings hope in the midst of the most terrible circumstances. And he shifts our expectations to align with his so that we can have a perspective on what is most important in our lives. And many of us are waiting for good things too. We know that God is not finished with us yet. That God has things he wants to do in and through your life still. And we feel like, God, I, I want to serve you more. And I feel like you've put a vision on my heart to move forward in some of these things. And I don't know how. I don't know when I should move. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. And I'm waiting for, for something from you. I'm waiting for you to give me, to empower me to do the things that you've called me to do. To do the good works that you've prepared in advance for me to do. Like it says in Ephesians. When we have a larger perspective, God's perspective, we experience this hope and peace in our lives through every situation that God asks us to wait for him. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior... This wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Because you're thinking, oh yeah, you're just waiting for this mysterious thing, this this concept, this idea. And as Christians, as we read our Bibles, we see this people of God who have waited a lot for God to act. We we read sometimes the highlights, right? We read the, oh, they hear, you know, there's uh, Noah, and then we hear Moses splitting the Red Sea and freeing people from Egypt. This is really cool book. In between all of these big events in Scripture, there's people who are waiting. Most of us spend our faithful lives waiting. And so we understand what that means. We understand this is something much larger than ourselves. We'll go through life and we won't know the answers to a lot of these things we're waiting for, but we remain faithful in these things. But if you're not a Christian, if you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and confessed him as such, you wouldn't understand the full depth and richness that God has to offer his people who are waiting through these difficult things. God wants your heart. He wants to give you this peace that surpasses all understanding. He wants to give you courage and strength 
like he's doing for so many here through some really rotten circumstances. And God is living faithfully, or working faithfully through his people who are living in faith and worshiping him. And God wants your heart. And New Year's is, like Connie was saying earlier, is maybe not the best time to make a New Year's resolution. I don't know. I don't know all the psychology there, but like, don't make a commitment to Jesus. Don't be like, oh, we're going to start coming to church in the new year. We're going to start, I'm going to be, be more active in my faith in the new year just because it's a New Year's thing to do. But set your heart on the Lord and strive to understand who he really is. We just came through a season where we remembered that God sent his son Jesus to the earth as a gift for humanity because he loved us so much. And Jesus would grow and live a faithful, sinless life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice, the perfect payment for sin on that cross. And he would die in your place so that you could be forgiven. So if you're in this place where you're wanting to explore faith more or you're coming to church or you're listening online and, and you're just wanting more of whatever God has to offer and you want to learn more, I just really encourage you to just continue to be devoted to being here, to being present, to being uh, engaging with other people and talking to them about who this Jesus is and learning more about your faith. But be active about these things because when the Holy Spirit calls you to himself, it's going to be one of the most glorious things ever. And then you're going to take that good news that you've got and you're going to start sharing it with the world. And other people in your life are going to come to know Jesus in a saving way. And it's going to be amazing. And you're going to see this larger perspective, this, this thing we're all part of that's so much larger than any one of us. We don't all get together here just because it's you know, a fun thing to do on the first day of the year or every Sunday. We're here because of him. Let's pray together. Father, it's hard to wait. But as we see the value and the beauty of the thing we are waiting for, may you give us faith and resolve to wait better. God, we struggle with with waiting, and we need your help. God, there are many here who are waiting through difficult circumstances. Would you be strength for them? Would you be comfort? Would you give them faith and hope through their circumstance? God, would you change their perspective? Would you give them patience to endure their circumstances and a peace that surpasses all understanding? God, and there are many who are waiting for you to empower them for the future works that you have for them. You've put a vision on their hearts. God, would you help them to discern when to act and when to be still? Father, remind us of the bigger picture beyond our own lives. And would you teach us patience and acceptance of our circumstances as we wait for all that you have promised in your scripture? God, help us to have a good attitude and help us to support one another 
as we do this journey, as we trust in you and as we uh, walk alongside one another. We trust you, God. And we pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.